morning, everyone. My name is Pastor Scott. If you're new or visiting this morning, we're so glad you're here. Uh, there is also a Seahawks game happening, but we don't care because we're gathered in the house of the Lord. You are the saints, the favored ones of God. Just remind everybody you meet today about that. Uh, today, I'll be teaching a lesson on anger, on the character of God. And I'm actually really excited um, really excited. One, I'm just back from sabbatical. God has renewed and refreshed and restored me. It's just unbelievable. So I'm just, I'm just excited. I just got to pace myself so I don't go too hard and scream at you, whatever. I'm just, I'm so glad to be back uh, with you as our family of faith. Um, and also, to me, what this is so exciting to talk about the character of God and one aspect of that being anger is I was raised in the church and left the church because to me, the church wasn't talking about real issues. And I, I kind of just walked away until I saw somebody live out the Christian life. And then I said, well, I could follow that. Um, but uh, to me, just to come into the scriptures and to embrace like some of God's character and the times, the anger, the, the reading that we just did, how do you hold intention, Deuteronomy and Psalms? How do you sing a song like Good, Good Father when I've had people say they have to get up and leave the room when that worship song comes on? How do we hold these things in tension is what we'll be dealing with today. My hope is that God stirs you up, gives you a deeper understanding of his character, and, and then motivates you towards action. We'll end with a response, we'll end with communion. Uh, I'll tell you that anger is a hard one for me. It is. We're going to talk later about my own story and such, but I don't always admit to being angry. Sometimes I kind of run from it or it's hard. It's really hard. I don't, I, I didn't, I wasn't looking forward to this message until I got a chance to study it and I felt like God really prepared me. And, and we, uh, we write our sermons during the week, typically on Tuesdays. So we study on Mondays with all the location pastors where we just study the Bible and we come up with ideas and then we sh- share them. And then Tuesday I write and then on Wednesday, Thursday kind of moving it towards like a final draft. So soccer practice this week, uh, I coach a bunch of seven-year-olds, precocious little guys. My assistant coach wasn't there, just eight seven-year-olds. What could possibly go wrong? I'm like, don't get angry. Don't get angry. Like you're going to have to preach about anger this week. Don't get angry. And you know, it's, it's going pretty well. And late in the practice, things are kind of falling apart. And one of the boys needs me to tie his shoe. So I'm on my knees and tying his shoe. Meanwhile, it's like a dog pile starts in the back where the kids are all diving on each other. And I'm like, don't get angry. Don't get angry. So I'm tying his shoe. And I'm tying his shoe. And this little boy says, you know, uh, Coach Scott, you're, you're half bald. Like, don't get angry. Don't get angry. Some of you are bald. Like, what's the issue, right? Bald is beautiful. But I'm still, like, in denial a bit. I'm, like, trying to take it as long as it, you know. So I'm like, don't get angry. And then he pauses. And he's like, actually, Coach Scott, you're more than half bald. <laughs> It was the more than half that kind of got me angry, if I'm honest. It was like, I was fine with half. It was more than half. Like, you know. Uh, so in all seriousness, God wants to speak to you today. God wants to come to you through the scriptures to stir you up to being more angry about things that anger him. And he wants to motivate you and inspire you to let go of pieces of anger that have become a crutch to your spiritual life. This might be the most important sermon God has ever spoken to you. Let's pray and receive the word of God. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time. Open us up now. We want to hear from your word. We want to hear from your spirit in order to be women and men following you more closely. God, thank you for this morning. And all God's people said, amen. Our title today is called Anger Management. 
Uh, or a new portrait of God's anger and love. There was a story in the Seattle Times this week that made me really angry about a woman who had told her children to unbuckle in the van she was driving, and then she drove at a high rate of speed into a tree. No kids were killed, though they were injured, and they'll make full recoveries. When she was arrested, she was quoting scripture to the arresting officers. This woman was clearly mentally ill, but she was angry about a custody battle with an ex, and I don't know all the details, but she was quoting scripture to the people arresting her. The four children in the car were unbuckled and they lived, though injured. The driver, the mother, kept her seatbelt on during impact. It makes me angry. There's a lot of things in our world when we look at it make us angry. In the comments section to this story, as this just kind of grieved me, and here's just another Christian in the Seattle Times to our non-believing neighbors that looks a bit out of their minds, was this comment. Oh, you know, people are, you know, making comments about what state this happened and what about this woman, all this and that. And then this comment, which was like a dagger to me, where the commentator said simply this, you all think this woman is crazy. How about believing in a God who would nail his son to a tree? And it reminded me that we live in a country that believes the wrong thing about God. We live in a city that needs a new portrait on the heart of God. That this whole series is us representing who God is because our non-believing friends and neighbors think that our worship of God is maniacal because they think God is angry. They think God is violent. They think even how we believe in Jesus and and they don't quite get it. And they're hungry for truth and they're hungry for better relationships. But for many of them, they need a new portrait of who God is. And for some of us, we're not asking these questions about anger and violence because we've come to grips with whatever we believe happened on the cross. We've come to grips on the, on the Old Testament scriptures of anger. Maybe we say things like, well, I'm a New Testament Christian, or these things don't matter anymore. But I need to impress upon you, if you're not already aware, that the, your friends, your neighbors, the people that you interact with that don't follow Jesus, they think God is angry. And so if we don't wrestle through the text that, point, that paint a picture of, of God in a light that looks angry, if we, don't, if we don't have an answer towards that, if we're not wrestling with him ourselves, if we don't have a deeper truth about the character of God, we won't represent him fully. Because what God's heart is for his people to see him, that's it. He created us. He just wants us to see him. He wants to be worshipped. He wants to pour into us. He wants relationship. All of that happens when we represent who God is. And so today as we talk about anger, we're never going to understand the full character of God if we don't deal with God's anger. And if we don't understand the character of God, we're never going to understand our own obedience to what God is calling us to. What place does anger have in our own discipleship lives? All of that comes from today's text. 
We want to represent this distortion that in Seattle that God is somehow, you know, angry and, and, and smiteful and, 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 and just violent, that God hates me and hates others. The truth is that Christ is God incarnate, the God of grace and love. And so we have to get to these questions of when is God angry in the text and what does that mean now? And like I said, even if you're not wrestling with this, I honestly believe getting into this issue will give you a deeper empathy and compassion for your own discipleship journey and to have better conversations about Jesus with your non-believing friends and neighbors. And so our big idea is simply this, as we try to represent this, this view of an angry God, that here, let's, let's read this. The anger we see in scripture, and thus part of God's character, is part of a larger story of God's unending, unfailing, uncompromised love, because anger is a part of love. That's a hard one. I, I made a joke at the top, but the reality is, is that for a lot of us, definitely me, I'm scared of anger. This is, a, this is a vulnerable teaching to work our way through today. But my encouragement is to stay present to what the Spirit wants to do in you and through you. I told Raul, and we've asked our prayer team today, every, every worship service we have people praying for what's happening in this theater right now, as well as prayer team members that come up at the end that want to just pray with you about something the Spirit wants to convict and empower and lead you to new places. We want to be a praying church more and more and more. And yesterday, you know, Heather and I both named, like it just felt like there was the spirit of opposition coming against us. And we finally just hugged in our kitchen and just prayed because we were just feeling so like discouraged because what God wants us to see is a new portrait of him and the enemy is scared senseless that we might be actually talking that anger is part of God's love for us. So let's start at the beginning. Let's dig into the text. When is God angry in the Bible? It's no longer appropriate, I feel like, to just say, well, that's, you know, the Old Testament. And no, no. This is what your neighbors want to know. How will you actually explain to them when is God angry in the Bible? This is just a sample of many texts, anger in the scriptures. Exodus 15, in the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who oppose you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. Exodus 32, now leave me alone, said God, so my anger may burn against them, that I will destroy them, and I'll make you into a great nation. He's, he, he's going to destroy Israel. Then Moses advocates. Moses sought the favor of the Lord and said, why should your anger burn against your own people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? That's a tough text. You got to wrestle with that. Exodus 34, he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Numbers 32, the Lord's anger burned against Israel. He made them wander in the wilderness 40 years until a whole generation of those who had done evil in the sight was gone. Job 4.9, at the breath of God, they perish. At the blast of his anger, they are no more. Habakkuk 3.12, in wrath, you strode the earth, and in anger, you threshed the nations. And so if you just have a theology where like God is love, God is accepting, you know, Jesus, it feels like it's love, yeah, but what you're saying there is that anger is a part of love. And for many of us, like, well, you know, I'd 
the Old Testament, you know, is Jesus. We look at Jesus, we look at through Jesus as the lens to all of Scripture. And Jesus, you know, he, he satisfied the wrath of God, depending on what you think of the atonement theories. Like, Jesus is, is, our, is our victor, so we don't talk about anger anymore. But the thing is, is that Jesus is God incarnate. So if God is angry, we must also recognize that the way in which Jesus gets angry, Hebrews 1, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets of many times in various ways, but in the last days, he's spoken by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through him, he also made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Sustaining all things by his powerful word, after he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Jesus got angry. Matthew 21, Jesus entered the temple courts. He drove out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers, the benches of those selling doves. It's written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer. You're making a den of robbers. Jesus loved to quote from Isaiah. He loved to quote from Ezekiel. Go back and read the Old Testaments. The ones closest to God's heart were persecuted, often in the church. God was angry because people weren't following him. They weren't worshiping him. They weren't giving honor to him. They were, they were putting others to death. John 2, Jesus made a whip of cords. He drove from the temple courts, the sheep, the cattle. He scattered the coins, the money changers. He overturned their tables. Jesus got angry. We've got to deal with anger and violence in the scripture. You know, I know for some of us, we've heard these like Jesus in the temple stories for so long that they don't have power. But I mean, imagine being in a temple, in the temple, a holy place and, and the sacrificial system and, and there was an order and there's there people telling us that this is how we approach God and then, you know, there's selling doves here. We're, we're putting animals to death there. Like, there's a system. And Jesus comes in flipping tables, driving animals out, money flying. Like, this is, this is anger. So we have to, if we want the full picture of God, we have to understand that anger is a part of God's love. So often, anger, violence, the, the Old Testament conquest, the, the justification of violence that seems senseless to a modern sensibility, so often it drives people from the church. John Muir, the famed naturalist, tells a story in his autobiography of, uh, of being the son of a Scottish preacher who, uh, this is... You know, 150 years ago, Native Americans being driven from the land and onto reservations. And when the young John approached his father about why Native Americans were losing their land, his father quoted scripture and said, the natives don't know Jesus. We know Jesus. Therefore, we must, we must subdue the natives and push them into reservations. We've been given honor and glory. And John Muir said, I'm out to never return. I'll be in the mountains walking around. I'll never darken the door of a church again. So anger shows up in the Bible. And if we don't have a clear theology of when and why God is angry, we'll be often confused. As I studied it this week, I just see over and over again that God's anger is his reaction to brokenness and sin in the world. Paul says as much in Romans 1.18 that the wrath of God was against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. 
Even in Revelations, all the way to Revelations 19, there's still the wrath of God for those who disobey, ignore, and don't follow God. And so, yeah, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, both then and now, God is angry. He's angry sometimes. Well, tell me more, Scott. What does that mean? That God gets angry when our cities are divided by racial tension. That grieves the heart of God. It makes him angry. When children are hurt and abused, God is angry. When women are sexualized and marginalized, God is angry. When men are sold the lie that their only value in society is their net worth, God is angry. When greed and power means we don't practice justice, God is angry. When people harm others and ignore the image of God in others, God is angry. When we proclaim God, but we worship ourselves, you better believe that God is angry. Because the anger of God protects us from the own, our own violence in our own hearts. And the way in which our own sin and brokenness wants us to continually to crawl onto the pedestal of self-glorification. But God says, that's not my plan. And so when you come to my scriptures and see the places I'm angry, says God, you'll see there's anger even in your own story. When you're angry, look deeper. When I'm angry, says God, look deeper. One of the things I'm really excited about coming back from sabbatical is I joked last week of like telling new stories. I don't need to like tell the 20-year-old stories anymore. And I've I've told this story before, but it's really important for me to share it again here. It was a couple years ago on the men's retreat to Malibu that I'll be once again joining the men of our church in the spring. We take four days and go to Young Life Camp Malibu. We'd love to have you all join us. It was three years ago. We were coming back from that camp. I was on the top deck of the ship. I was a speaker at the camp. I was Christian royalty in my own prideful ways. I taught the seminar on parenting, how not to be angry. I mean, I'm just kind of a legend in my own mind at this point. You know, pride is just seething and I'm like having all the right conversations, but I've just kind of arrived at the pinnacle of my Christian faith. And this man who I did just talk to briefly during the camp, he and another man said, hey, can we pray for you, Scott? We feel like God is giving us a word for you. Fine. If you just want to anoint me because I've already been pretty, yeah, go ahead. I mean, what, what could possibly hurt? They start to pray with me, for me, laying hands on me, top of the Malibu princess, men all around. Lord Jesus, by the power of your spirit, would you help Scott deal with his angry heart? God, we see this anger in this corner of his heart with your spirit, so convict him and encourage him. Now, I need to stop at this point because I'm now barely listening to the prayer because angry wasn't before they started praying. Now they're praying, I'm getting super angry. And I'm just a, like a good Christian, so it's like, I don't think we can stop the prayer, but none of this is really working for me. That began a journey. I got in the car with my friend. It's like, do you think it's about what's going on with your dad? Huh. See, anger was a pathway for the Spirit to get my attention. The Spirit of God just started to kind of just blow me away, wanting to overfill me and get my attention for the way in which that I'd been, you know, incapacitated to be full of the Spirit. I just kind of had this practical theology of Father, Son, and Holy Bible, and I just had missed so much power. It all started with naming this anger that was hidden from me. 
See, because I was raised in a home where anger at times was kind of like extorted. And I just, when people get angry, I'm like, all right, cool, I'm out of here. Like, I don't, like, I'm scared of it. But what the prophets prayed over me that day was that there was a little corner of my heart that was angry and I was scared to let Jesus in. And any part of our heart and story not given fully over to God, when we say, no, I've got this one, God, it starts to die. So like, Scott, you, your heart is fleshy and alive and good, but there's this corner that's dead because you're holding anger. Now I'm starting to talk to some people in the room. Because when we're angry, we're, we often feel entitled Something has happened to us. Somebody, somebody wronged us. or We, we experienced a, a death or a hurt. Like, no wonder I'm angry. Jesus is saying through the text this morning that he wants us to turn over those pieces of our lives that we're running from. That he can take our entire story, even the parts we're angry about, and redeem them for his glory. God is angry in the scriptures. And the second part as we start to move through this text is that I need you to understand, and this is where the teaching gets tricky, that God's anger is a small part of a much larger love story. I said in the top that that anger is a part of love. That was hard for me even to write because I'm so scared of anger quite often. God's hope is for so much more than anger. God's hope is for changed lives and deeper love and transformation. And yeah, anger is just a piece of God's character that we can't deny because it's all over the scriptures, but his love supersedes that. He's like, there's this much bigger story. Don't ignore my anger, but I want so much more than just to be angry. I want to fill them with my spirit and my hope. I want them to see me. I want them to have a new portrait of my love and grace. I want to see the city transformed. It's way bigger than anger. Micah 7 says this, who's a God like you, a God who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but you delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot. You will hurl our iniquities into the depths of the sea. God does not stay angry His anger is a depiction of something broken that he wants to supersede to write a new love story. I was like, well, isn't God violent? Like I come across these these violent stories in the Old Testament. But if you go to the scriptures, where does violence begin? It's Genesis 4. Genesis 3 is sin enters the whole world. In Genesis 4, sin enters the family, Cain and Abel. The first offspring, violence, enters the story. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? There's the whole sacrifice thing. Cain feels displeased, and it's anger that begets violence. Why is your face downcast? If you do what's right, Cain, will you not be accepted? But if you not do what's right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Anger, if we're not careful, it can devour us. It can bring violence into our family systems. It can destroy us. It, it's part of love, but it can, we, have to, we have to watch it because it can often just overcome with a lust for power. Cain said to his brother Abel, he's already been warned. He doesn't care. He's angry. He's justified. He's bitter. He goes out to the field. And they're in the field. Cain attacked his brother Abel, and he killed him. And violence enters the story. The Lord said to Cain, where's your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? 
Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. A thousand years later, the blood is still crying out from the ground. It was never going to be this way. So for people to get hung up in God's anger or violence, you can just say, yeah, but it was never going to be this way. It's our sin. It's our brokenness. It's our injustice that, it, that evokes the anger of God that is, that is crying from the ground. But I need you to know that God isn't angry at us anymore. He's angry at the effects, the effects of sin in the world. He's, he's because of the cross, because of Christ, because Christ is victorious over death and over anger. God's like, I want to free you into a different story. I want to stir you up. I want you to know that anger is not the opposite of love, indifference is. And so reframe God's anger for what it is. Pay attention to the places in scripture where God's anger is part of his love, where Jesus is angry because his people are settling for so much less. Hard truth, the reality, all love has anger in it. I'll read our big idea again. The anger we see in scripture and this part of God's character is part of a larger story of God's unending, unfailing, uncompromised love because anger is a part of love. But hear me carefully, church. Anger is only a part of love. It's not the whole story. And so in your life, if you're displaying more anger than love, you need to reconnect with the God of grace, the God of mercy, the God of justice, the God who's for us. If you're like, well, I'm angry, and I'm angry, you might need to reconnect with God's great love for you. You might need to give him the key to that little corner of your heart that you've kept squirreled away. Because this God we worship is a God of unending love. I don't know when the last time you dug into Revelation, but you know what the last line of the Bible is? The last line, the final words of the story are simply this, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people, amen. Now we don't serve an angry God. It's a God of grace who's seeking our attention at times in the only way that we'll pay attention. And so God gets angry when he needs to get our attention. And today when we do a response, for many of us, we're kind of letting go of something of anger we've been clinging to. But for some of you, God might be stirring you up. He might be saying, it's time to get a little angry and fight for your marriage. It's time to get a little angry and fight for your kids that they would see me and and then Christ would be magnified in your home. It's time to get a little angry and fight against the oppression of racism in our city or against violence against minorities or, you know, I don't know where God is stirring, but for some of you, he's like, maybe it's not letting something go this morning, but it's picking something up to be stirred up because anger is only part of this much bigger story. You can say, I love the world so much, I'm going to fight for more of God in it. And that's hard for a lot of us. But it says you kind of press into what you're angry about. You press into something better that goodness and transformation happens. Please do not hear me this morning. Don't be angry. That's the Scott of about 10 years ago that was scared to open myself up fully to the spirit. Sometimes anger can heal. But which is it? This is where God is God and I am not. And you can, in prayer, say, God, free me up or stir me up. I'm an open vessel for you. 
Last week, I gave a bit of a report card of my time away on sabbatical. I showed a bunch of different images, and I'll be honest, one of the images I showed, I, I paused before even including it in the slide deck. This is a beautiful picture. This is a, actually a really beautiful memory. We're in Wisconsin, in Door County, on a little kind of finger that sticks out into Lake Michigan. We're sitting in this gorgeous Airbnb fire pit, sun's going down. It's beautiful, isn't it? They say a picture's worth a thousand words, but this picture's worth about 10,000. Because in this picture, I'm really angry (laughs) right now in this, like, real time here in this story. And my wife is really angry. She'd spent two days in bed because of some decisions that I had made. She was hurting. We had to kind of deal with why I do certain things certain ways. We had to kind of deal with anger. It wasn't like, oh, don't be angry with me. We're going to go watch the sunset. It was like, "Mm, I'm angry, and you can deal with this or not. One of the great things God did during sabbatical was renew and restore and refresh my marriage, and in some ways, it was in helping me understand places that I needed to get better. Like Anger can be a front door for more of God's work in our life. So at times, God's saying, you can let that anger go. I've got it. I'll fight for you. I'm with you. I'm for you. And sometimes, God is saying, you can pay attention to why people are angry with you because I want to work on you. I want you to be more like me. You're either picking something up this morning or letting something go. That's where we're going to get to in our conclusion. We're not going to settle the anger of God in a 33-minute message. But I told you we were going to wrestle a little bit. I had this amazing conversation with my neighbor this week, a Jewish man who I'd, at the bus stop had never met before. He, he was telling me about Yom Kippur, midweek, the holiest of days for Jewish, our Jewish friends, the Day of Atonement, where they're called to fast and wrestle and repent and then take on the forgiveness of God and live into their new year, their new relationship. You know what's so marvelous about being Christian? We don't have to practice atonement each and every, like, we have been atoned for. Christ has atoned for our sin. And no matter how you come to decide on what Jesus exactly did when he allowed himself to to die for us and to be buried and then come alive, just, you need to know that Jesus was victorious. He's victorious over the inequity we see in our city. He's victorious over the sin that still wants to entangle me. He's victorious over the anger that wants to kind of destroy Christian marriage. He's victorious over it all. And so the thing that we are paying attention to is the victory of Jesus, the victorious nature of Christ. We don't have to be stuck anymore. We don't have to be angry anymore. For some of us that have been holding on to these old angers and hurts by somebody that's done something to us, we don't want to, we're going to just let Jesus have it because we want to live into all that the victory of God wants to give us. And that's a complicated process. But God's love has anger in it because the whole love story is one of redemption and power. The Hebrews have this word, has said. It's mentioned over 250 times in the scripture. Has said is the steadfast love and loving kindness and kindness and mercy and love of God. 
And this is the big story. God's love is abundant. God's love is never ending. God's love is redeeming. God's love, this said type love, is more powerful than wrath. It's more powerful than anger. It is the whole character of God, his said. The Father is for you. He loves you. And he's grieving with you for whatever anger you've carried to this point. For most of us in the room, God is saying, you can let it go now. I am so for you. And that was the big thing that I felt like God, as I prepared for this sermon, where God just said, tell him, would you tell him, Scott, I'm not angry anymore. I'm not angry. I get angry when things happen in our city against me, but tell them that I'm, that I'm for them. And then God just started bringing scriptures to mind. 1 Thessalonians 5.9, God's not destined us for wrath, but for life. Psalm 85, you turned away from your anger, God. Jeremiah, return and I'll not look upon you with anger. I am gracious. I will not be angry forever. Romans 5.9, we are saved from the wrath of God through him. I'm not angry anymore. There is victory through the cross. We don't have to be a slave. One of the most heartbreaking parts of scripture. It's like, okay, tell me about the Hesed love, Scott. Like, I, I've got some, some new things to think about. That yes, that God is angry at times, but the whole of his character is this loving kindness where he's for me. You know, this amazing picture of this kind of Hesed love is Luke 15. The, 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 the prodigal son who leaves and abandons his father, who, who disowns him, and at his, his bottom, he comes back to the, the father, and the father doesn't just accept him. He's not bitter with him. He runs to him. I love it. It's a picture of the Hesed love. But you know who's missing the party? The brother. Like, read it again this week. There's a party. There's redemption. The anger is dealt with. There's a new life. There's freedom. And the older brother is the one that's stuck outside the party. Luke 15, 28. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. The story doesn't tell us what happens to the older brother. The father comes and challenges him. Like The reason we threw a party for your brother was because I'm a God of love. And the brother is missing the whole celebration, stuck in anger. I want to believe that he lets it go and enters the room. But I got to be real with you, church. I know so many people that hold on to anger and miss the party. I see it every day in my work. So many people that are holding on to an old story, an old hurt, an old pain, and they're missing the celebration of intimacy with their father. They're missing the Hased love. As we respond today, I'm going to ask you to pause before you come and bow your head in just a moment and pray and ask the Spirit of God to, to stir you up. Is there something that God wants you to be angry about? An injustice, somebody that needs to be fought for, advocated for. God at times is angry because he loves us. Maybe that's you and you're being stirred to pick up a cause today. 
And for many others of us, the Spirit of God wants to encourage you this morning. Come and enter the party. Come and join the feast. Christ died for you to experience his love. Don't miss it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this time and this space and this wrestling with these hard texts. We know we didn't settle a lot today, God, but we just pray that your people would have a deeper and truer understanding of what you look like, God. That at times the anger that we see in scriptures is part of a larger story where you're trying to get our attention and bring us back to right relationship. And at times, God, you're angry because people are being taken advantage of. So God, would your spirit so fill this room right now? Would it move through this place? Would you speak to us and open us up? May people hear you very clearly, God, that they would pick up something to be more angry about and to fight for people in our city in their homes, in their neighborhoods. And for others, God, you're speaking to them right now. You're saying, open up your heart, let me in. You don't have to carry that little piece you've been angry about. Just set it aside. No, it's going to be a long process, says Jesus, but I'll walk with you. I'm for you. Let it go. Lord God, do your work in your people now. We beg and we ask and we pray. Amen. As you stand with us in response, we just take a moment. It's like, that's a big one. We're going to have a time of response now. And in response, we have some writing stations, black Sharpies on black paper, two in the back, one in the front. And we're going to ask you to write something that you've been angry about on the paper. Take a moment, take more than a a moment. And when you're ready, I want you to come and I want you to put it in one of these glass vases. There's paper in the middle and there's glass vases at each communion station. And you'll kind of leave your, your, your anger. We get it, black on black is going to be really hard to read, but it's kind of the point. It's just between you and the Lord right now. And you're going to leave it as, a, as an offering of sorts. The modern church is said to be really short on repentance. We get to repent this morning. And some of us are just victims. So it's like, ah, how do I repent about that? God's like, nah, you've been pretty angry for a while. You can let it go. So we're going to write and drop in the vase and then receive communion. And just stick out your hand. We want to offer you the gluten-free bread. And you can dip it in the juice. Because Christ has done the work. He's victorious. And I know it's messy in the middle for a lot of us but he loves you and he's for you. We'll have prayer team members down front if you just want to pray over something that's been stirred up or if you want to stay after service and pray. So we'll have communion stations. We'll have these, just a moment to write something in anger that we're going to let go and we're just going to respond. Let me pray over our elements now. Will you stand with us? Lord Jesus, on the night in which you were betrayed, you You told us that if we eat your flesh and drink your blood, we can enter into new life. Even the imagery, Jesus, if we're honest, is really difficult. It's really hard. It rubs against a lot of our modern sensibilities. But they're your words. The words of anger and violence are challenging for us, but they're your words. God, can we be held in a larger love story this morning where you're wooing us or activating us, sending us on mission into our city to fight for those that need fighting for. 
or just letting go of a place, a dark corner of our heart that we've been holding too much anger for. Lord God, this morning we repent. Would your spirit move and come alive? We receive this communion today, the, the, the brokenness of the body, the forgiveness of the cup. All of it is for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Stations, right, drop it, receive communion. Let's worship together.